Today we pick up in Acts 27, verse 13. I'm going to be reading in the NIV. And we pick up from where we left off last week, where Paul had just stood trial in his appeal to Caesar. And so now he was being transported by a group of Roman soldiers to Rome. And by verse 13, they're on this, this ship voyage and it's fall. If you know anything about uh, voyages in the fall, that's a dangerous time to be on a ship because the winter uh, seas get really rough and you get lots of storms. And so Paul is on this big boat in the sea on a voyage and it becomes dangerous. And he starts warning them that, hey, this dangerous voyage is going to cost life. Yet they proceeded to embark on the journey anyways. Acts 27, verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not heed into the wind. So, they, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed uh, to the lee of a small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it above board, sorry, on board. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Can you guys imagine being on a ship and them having to tie the ship together? That's crazy. No, I can't either. Because they're afraid that they would run aground on the sandboard, the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Right. Meaning, they're, what? I said right on time. It starts right Yes. <laughs> on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men! You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to take up courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the, of, of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower the, some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread, 
and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there was 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. I'm going to skip ahead to the end of verse 44 where it reads, In this way, everyone reached land safely. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of my sermon for you guys this morning is Not a Single Hair from Your Head. Not a single hair from your head. And I have a question for you guys. Have you ever been afraid of drowning? Show of hands, please. So a good chunk of us. Not Ke- Kezia, you've been afraid of drowning? Gets a little scary, doesn't it? You know, something that is so crazy to me is that sometimes people throw babies into water to teach them to swim. Have you guys ever seen a video of that happening? Any of you guys ever done that with your child? No, not cat. Okay. But that's crazy to me. If you've seen those videos of people just taking a baby and tossing it in the pool or whatever, you're like, yo, what is happening? Um, you know, I, I've told stories before about thinking I was going to drown. You know, stories, some of you guys remember stories of me surfing in a hurricane one time or being held underwater at the bottom of a pool. You know, but I've also been on the other side where I've seen people start to drown. And uh, another show of hands, anybody ever been in a wave pool? Uh, not nearly as many people. That's crazy. But those wave pools are where it's like a humongous pool that gets a lot deeper as you go out. And uh, so you can go out to where it's like six or seven feet deep, uh, but then they turn the waves on. So the six feet quickly becomes like nine or 10 feet and these huge waves come through. And uh, so one time I was in a wave pool at some amusement park and uh, you guys ever seen in a wave pool, some of those kids who like can't really swim that well and they go into the deep end and they think like, oh, I can like bob from the bottom. But then the waves start coming, they clearly can't bob anymore. Yeah. So I was in a wave pool, and that started to happen, right? This, this young boy swam out to the deep end, and he was kind of like bobbing. But then the waves started coming. And he quickly is, you know, yelling, and then he's underwater. And then there's the bubbles and the hands thrashing, but you can't see his head. You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe. You know, so I'm seeing that, and so I looked at the lifeguards, right? And they're like on their phones or like talking to each other. They're not seeing it, right? So I swim over, I like grab this kid, I'm like, you know where you're like thinking I might have to punch him in the face to like knock him out so that he doesn't like drown me as well. You guys hear that? That's how you're supposed to lifeguard. Yeah. And so I'm like, he's like thrashing. I'm thinking I'm going to have to do that. So I'm like dragging this kid and I pulled him over the edge and then the life, uh, lifeguards jump in and help him. And uh, it's crazy and scary when you think you're going to drown, whether it's you or someone else. And I, I would assume it's scary to throw your baby in a pool as well. Um, Nobody? No? Nobody thinks that's scary? Okay. But in all seriousness, have you ever felt that way with God? Have you ever felt like you were the baby and God just tossed you in the pool and expected you to float? Have you ever felt like you were that kid drowning, being thrashed around in the wave pool, but God's attention was elsewhere? Because I've felt those things before. I want to ask you, is there a part of your life where you feel like you're drowning right now? Maybe it's in your spirituality where you just feel like you've been so stuck and unmotivated for a long time and you really want to get out of it, but you feel like you just can't. Like as, as, as hard as you try, you just can't kind of break through into new inspiration or encouragement spiritually. Or maybe it's with your friendships or your relationships where you feel like you're thrashing around, where you're trying and trying, but you just keep falling down. You just feel like it it just doesn't seem to work the way that you hope it would work 
and you just don't feel encouraged. When someone is drowning, if they can get any words out at all, you know what they say? Do they say, please pray for me? You know, is that what they say? Now, what do they say? Help, help, someone save me. And when we're drowning, we need saving. And the saving, the salvation from drowning is incredibly concrete and experiential. And what I, what, I say, what I mean when I say that is that there's moments where salvation isn't like a, a distant, far off, I want to go to heaven one day, where it's not a, I need my sins forgiven. There's sometimes when salvation is just, I need someone to outstretch their arm to me and pull me up. Yeah. Yeah. I need saving in this moment. I need help. And I think that's the kind of saving we see in this story. There are times where salvation is just physical. It's literally someone reaching their arm out and pulling you up. And some of you all already know, uh, but this week for me was like that. It was like drowning. It was like a drowning episode for Malia and I. We closed in our home on July 22nd, which is incredibly exciting and a big answered prayer. But some of you guys also know our plan was by July 22nd to move into that tiny home over there. And this week, we found out that the permits that we were issued are no longer going to be sufficient, and they actually want us to have a concrete, a concrete foundation for the tiny home, which is incredibly expensive and takes a lot of time, and it cannot happen before July 22nd. And so I'm thinking, we're going to be homeless. Like, where are we sleeping July 22nd? I truly don't know, you know? And uh, for me, that's, I, I, you know, I, I share it with Lonnie and, and her mom, but I, I felt this week like that 14 days without eating where I'm just constantly in suspense. Are we going to get saved or not? Like, that's what I'm feeling right now. Like, I'm in suspense of what's going to happen. Yeah. And the, the last week, you know, usually when I'm, I'm stressed, I, I react with anger, frustration, impatience. Uh, this week, it was kind of the point where I'm like, I can't even do, I can't even feel those things. Like, I'm just feeling hopeless. You know, like that, that where he says that, I, uh, at one point, they just lost hope of being saved. I'm like, <laughs> I just feel hopeless. This is just demoralizing, you know. And the reality is, like, we could afford to go to a hotel. We have friends here that have already said, well, hey, we have a guest bed, you know. Um, there's people who could take care of us. We have a safety net in you guys. Um, but there's lots of people who are in situations like us that don't have those safety nets. I can't imagine how demoralizing that is. But I think about these things, and right now I'm praying, God, God save me, right? And I want to ask you guys, have you ever thought about salvation this way? Of immediate salvation, immediate saving, immediate need for help. Because I can guarantee you, the homies on that ship, when they thought the ship was going to sink, were not thinking about the validity of Paul's spiritual and theological arguments. <laughs> you know, they, they weren't, right? And I want to ask you, how do you see salvation in the moment? Do you see that salvation has elements that go further than just spiritual salvation and the forgiveness of sins, but truly salvation from the storms and seas of your life? And I want to ask you, how do you feel and respond in the storms and seas in your life? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it anxiety? Is it worry? Or is it just hopelessness? I want to ask you, how do you process the feelings of drowning? 
How do you process those feelings? Or just being sick and tired of hardship in your life? What do you do? What do you feel? So I think we can, if you're anything like me, we can constantly, in hard times in our life, kind of cry out to God, God, when will this storm finally pass? When will we finally reach land? In this chapter of Acts, we have people, people being told straight up not to make poor decisions. And they still make poor decisions. We have sailors in their fear trying to throw prisoners overboard. That's wild. We have some sailors trying to leave others behind and escape from the ship on a lifeboat. And we even have people giving up all hope of being saved. But all of these responses, all of these feelings that they felt are incredibly human and we feel the same things. How do you react in the storms of your life when you feel lost at sea? Do you blame others and lash out at them, throwing them overboard? Do you just try to escape and isolate yourself by getting on your own little lifeboat? Do you rely so much on your own strength that you can't hear direction from anyone else when they're trying to help you? Or do you just give up all hope? There are many stormy seas in our lives, but there's also been one great storm that's hit our country just over the last couple days. The overturning of Roe v. Wade after about 49 years is a storm, and I mean it. And I'll tell you a little bit more why. There's a couple facts for you. One fact is that Latina women are almost twice as likely as white women to have an abortion. Black women are about three and a half times more likely than white women to have an abortion. And what those statistics tell us is that overturning Roe v. Wade will disproportionately affect women of color. And women of color are also, generally speaking, the most marginalized people in America. The people who already, generally speaking, historically, have less access to help they need in situations like that already. That's one fact. Another fact is that, above all else, God values life. And there's no disputing that. God values life. There's no way around it. Yet in this conversation, shame, hatred, and anger seem to fuel how these conversations go. I've seen Christian men who I know take to social media and accuse the American people of sacrificing children to the false, the false Old Testament God, Molech, through abortion. The fact that God values life is being distorted and weaponized in order to demonize people. These are crazy things. But it's very real in the conversations we have with others and we see on social media truly every day. To add to all of this, there's a gross amount of misinformation circling social media right now, saying that women are now going to die because they won't be able to receive treatment for deadly pregnancy complications. And that's just factually incorrect. But that's, how, that's where these conversations are going. There's people who don't know what they're talking about. There's people who are incredibly passionate. There's people who are incredibly hurt. And there's people who don't know how to meet other people and see them in their humanity. This is a storm. And we must pay attention to how we react to these storms. Because if we don't, we won't be, be able to begin to listen for God's voice and actually bring his promises to bear in our lives. As Paul said, cut those ropes or you won't have any chance of being saved. Sometimes we get off on these little lifeboats in the raging sea and we think we'll be okay. And that's a recipe for drowning. We must pay attention to how we react 
and we must listen for God's voice and his promises. So whether it's storms in our cultural moment or the storms of our living situation or our finances or our relationships or our relationship with God, we must pay attention and, re- and, and see how we react as we listen for God's promises. His promises are the only constant in our lives sometimes. They're the truth that we need to hear to live. And in our text today, we find two concrete promises from God. Number one in verse 22 is not one of you will be lost. Not one of you will be lost. And number two in verse 34 is not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. These are incredible promises. But what I think is truly incredible here is Luke's telling of this story in Acts 27, right at the end of his two-part Luke-Acts book. All right, Luke-Acts is, is one unitary work that Luke writes. And he, he tells this story about Paul right at the end of the book. What's really interesting, though, is at the very beginning of Luke's gospel, Luke quotes a messianic promise from Isaiah in Luke 3, 6, that says, all flesh will see the salvation of God. And I think what's really cool is that we see that played out here in Acts 27. All flesh will see the salvation of God. That all flesh on this boat experienced God's salvation in their lived experience in that moment. Some were Roman soldiers, some were Gentile sailors, some were the marginal group that were the Christians. But all of them experienced God's salvation in that moment. All flesh, all of them were saved. Every life that day. And I think they experienced a glimpse of God's all-encompassing salvation, that not a hair of their heads would perish. And they are worth more than many sparrows. Now, sometimes we don't need to hear more spiritual phrases. Sometimes we just need a helping hand outstretched to pull us up. Sometimes we don't need a spiritual conversation We need God to save us from the storms. And in the midst of this storm, Paul heard God's promises that not one of them would be lost. Not one of them would lose a single hair from their heads. And Paul shared those promises with all those around him. Through the storms, let us hear God's promises too. And on this shipwreck, God saved Paul. The thing is though, In the time that would follow in Rome, Paul would end up being killed. God rescued Paul from many situations, but he didn't rescue him from all of them. Not in the end. God has delivered us before and he can do it again. But we won't always understand the storms and suffering along the way. We can guarantee though, that we are worth more than many sparrows and not a hair of our head will be forgotten. We don't know what the days ahead, what lies in the days ahead, but we do know the end of the story. And that's the new heavens and the new earth being brought together and dwelling with God in his house forevermore. So remember, not a hair of your head will be forgotten by the Lord, particularly if you're balding. And so I have three practices for you guys this week and for myself as well. Number one is memorize a promise. Pick a scriptural promise from the Lord and meditate on it this week until it's written on your heart, until it sits with you every day. So 
Practice number one, memorize a promise. Practice number two, outstretch your arm. Look for ways to outstretch your arm to someone in need this week. Rather than escape and self-protect, rather than close your ears and eyes to the world, rather than demonize or blame others, look for ways to see people and serve people. And practice number three is pray. Do not let anyone ever convince you that prayer is useless or ignorant or unimportant. I know I succumb to these lies at times. But pray for deliverance for yourself, for others, for our nation, and for all of the above. But never stop praying. And in so doing, let us be a praying people. Let us be a seeing people who sees others as they are, human, hurting, and created in the image of God. And let us be a people of the word who are so permeated by the word of God that it overflows from our hearts and minds into our words and deeds. And let us remember the promises of the Lord here in the NRV that not a hair of your head will perish. You are worth more than many sparrows. Amen. Thank you guys.